Welcome to Church on the Edge, a podcast designed to challenge you and help you rethink what church is and what church should be. This is your host, Dan Armistead. You can learn more about me on my website, danarmistead.com, and follow me through my regular post under the heading of Church on the Edge on both medium.com and substack.com, where I invite and challenge you to live life on the edge like Jesus. Welcome to episode three of our season five podcast as we talk about pearls of great price, discovering and experiencing God's wisdom and ways in our lives. Today is episode three, as I said, and I've entitled it Pearls and Tears. And I want to begin by reminding you of that fighter pilot I mentioned just a few episodes ago. The majority of people in our world are just like that fighter pilot who did not realize she was flying upside down, and when she pulled the stick back to go up, she literally crashed into the ground and It's just a matter of time when we're flying upside down that we also will crash. Now, Jesus' kingdom sermon, his sermon on the mount, begins with what has come to be known as the Beatitudes or the blessings. We might could call them a a rite of passage, the the way to life in God's kingdom. And, And Jesus clearly taught that God's kingdom is right here among us. In Luke chapter 17, some of the Pharisees are asking Jesus about the kingdom of God. When is it coming? And that they they wanted to know. That was their question. And Jesus answered and he said this: The coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed. Nor will people say, here it is, or there it is, because, said Jesus, the kingdom of God is in your midst. It's among you, or as some translations render it, within you. And both translations, that the kingdom of God is among you in your midst and that the kingdom of God is within you, both of those translations are accurate. There's really a double meaning in Jesus' words. God's kingdom, he says, is found within you, and God's kingdom, he says, is seen among you. But the question for you and me is how do we experience that kingdom? How do we live in the midst of the kingdom of God? How do we cultivate the growth of the kingdom in us? And in the opening words of the greatest sermon he ever preached, As he began that sermon with the Beatitudes or the blessings, Jesus tells us what life in the kingdom is like and who experiences God's kingdom in their lives. And it seems like he's the one flying upside down, but that's only because we actually don't know which way is up or down apart from Christ and the wisdom of his words. I want you to listen to the first Beatitudes. Chapter 5, verse 3, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And then immediately following that in verse 4, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. 
Now, you may recall that we talked about that first beatitude a little bit in our first podcast. The poor in spirit are are those who have recognized and confessed their pride and their ego, and they've laid it aside. They have, have come to realize their need for God. They've come to realize their complete inability to experience life without God and without his presence and grace and the leadership of his Holy Spirit. They've discovered that real strength for living is found not in their own gifts, intellects, abilities, but real strength for living is found in an active, ongoing faith or trust, if you will, in God. The Apostle Paul puts it this way. He says, when I am weak, then I am strong. (laughs) Now, that's not the way of the kingdom of this world. Years ago, when I was in the business world, I had a boss who who referenced the feeding of Christians to the lions in the arena in the Roman Colosseum, and he would say, well, you know, that's the way the world is. That's how things work. It's always lions six, Christians zero. The biggest, toughest, meanest, most conniving, smartest, those are the ones who get ahead in this world. And that is exactly what the devil offered our Lord Jesus Christ in the wilderness. All the kingdoms of this world, he said, are yours if you'll just bow down and worship me. In other words, if you'll just do things my way. I'm the God of this age. I'm the Lord of this world. And if if you'll follow the way of this world, you, Jesus, can have it all. And Jesus said, no thanks. I'm not interested in flying upside down. Now, you and I are called to follow in the footsteps of our Lord. And when we do, we can be certain that that second beatitude, blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted, is going to be true in our lives. Psalm 126, verse 6, says this, those who go out weeping Carrying seed to sow will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. Joy and sorrow mingled together. We'll talk a little bit about that later, but that's the promise of God's word. In Isaiah chapter 53, the prophet is describing the coming Messiah. And this is how how he describes him. This is what he says. He will be a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. You know, the truth is, as we continue to walk in the ways of Christ, discovering the peace and joy that comes from living in the midst of his kingdom, then we're going to begin to mourn the brokenness of this world in which we live, the lostness, the pain, the the heartache and injustice. I mean, Jesus did. Our Lord wept over Jerusalem. He grieved over the hardness of heart among the religious people, leaders of his people. And as disciples of Jesus, you and I need to ask God to teach us how to mourn. Upside down, topsy-turvy, well, it may seem that way, but life is found and the kingdom of God is experienced as we pick up that pearl of God's wisdom and learn to mourn. 
mourn the brokenness, mourn the heartache in this world. I want to share a story with you from my early days as a pastor. Now, I grew up in an upper middle class home. My father paid for my undergraduate and graduate degrees. And at the same time, he, he bought me a car. In fact, he bought me two cars during that time. I was privileged, and I will say it, I was definitely spoiled. <laughs> and when I left the business world, when I responded to God's call to ministry, I carried a whole lot of that baggage with me. But after my wife, Sherry, gave birth to our three children in three years, I might add, she stopped working as a nurse, and we had to rely completely on my income as, as a pastor of a small rural church. And so, in order to help feed our children, we applied for a, a government-subsidized program called WIC. WIC stands for Women, Infants, and Children. And, and each month, we would stand in line with others in our community who needed the WIC assistance, and the government workers would issue our WIC stamps to us. And then we would go to the local grocery store and redeem those stamps for milk and cheese and various food, healthy food, for our children. But I got to tell you, that was an eye-opening experience for this upper-middle-class boy. Because <laughs> I tell you, standing in line there at the, at the WIC Center, it felt like we were cattle. And the way that so many of the workers who were issuing the WIC cars treated the people in line, it, it was terrible. The disdain, the, the curt words and language, it, it, it was inhuman. And I'm going to tell you, it, it made me mad. But here's the thing. In my anger, as I looked around at the others in the line, Nobody else seemed upset. <laughs> they just bowed their heads, shuffled their feet, took the abuse, and and received their WIC cards and went on their way. And that's when my anger turned to grief. And I began to mourn for the brokenness of those people all around me. I'd never felt that way before. <laughs> As a spoiled white upper middle class boy, I, I saw the poor and I, I looked at the government's help for the poor as some kind of a blight on society. I'm just being honest. I'd never seen the poor as people. I'd only seen them as, as problems. Maybe you remember the story in Mark chapter 5 of Jesus casting out the legion of demons from the man who was living in the graveyard. And, and when he did, those demons entered some pigs that were feeding on the hillside. And those pigs rushed down into the water of the Sea of Galilee and they drowned. And when the people of the town learned what had happened, well, they, they asked Jesus to leave. When they learned about their pigs, they asked the Lord to go somewhere else, never mind the man who was healed. They'd already taken care of him. They'd driven him from the town. They'd chained him up. He, he broke the chains they placed on him, but still he was living among the dead. He was a problem, not a person. But as we grow in the grace of God and as we experience his kingdom, 
you and I are going to begin to see people as people, human beings created in the image of God, and we will mourn over the brokenness and poverty and pain in which so many in our world find themselves. Now, let me remind you that we are looking in the Season 5 podcast, again, at the pearls of great price. We're learning about God's wisdom and God's ways. And as we begin to receive and walk in God's wisdom, you and I can be certain that two things will be true in our lives. First of all, there will be a growing sense of joy. (laughs) Peter calls it joy unspeakable and full of glory in his first epistle. But there's something else that we're going to begin to experience as well as we begin to grow in the wisdom of God. Something else that we'll experience along with that joy In Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 18, Solomon the wise puts it this way. He says, for with much wisdom comes much sorrow. The more knowledge, the more grief. And then in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 1, Solomon writes these words. Again, I looked and saw all the oppression that was taking place under the sun. I saw the tears of the oppressed and that they have no comforter, power was on the side of their oppressors, and they have no comforter. Wisdom, God's wisdom, opens our eyes and our hearts to see both the goodness and grace and availability of God's kingdom among us and within us, and at the same time, we see the brokenness and the pain all around us in the kingdom of this world. You know, one of the biggest issues in my country today in the United States and other countries as well, but one of the biggest issues is immigration, illegal immigrants. And it's an issue that uh, both political parties, Republicans and Democrats, have, have wrestled with for decades now. And I'll be the first to admit that I sure don't have the answer. (laughs) But whatever laws are passed, whatever action is taken, I do know this, that you and I as followers of Jesus are called to look past policy and politics and problems and to look at these illegal, undocumented immigrants as people, human beings created in the image of God. It's so easy to make it about policy or politics, isn't it? As Christians, you and I are called to look beyond that. I'm blessed to have a daughter who's an immigration attorney, and she often works with human trafficking victims and others who have simply come to this country because they have been abused and they're desperate. She told me not too long ago a story of one of her clients who had uh, fled her country after she turned 13 years old and began her monthly period, came into her womanhood, and she was repeatedly raped by others in her family, her own nephews, and then she was sold out as a prostitute. And so finally she she ran away. In her desperation, she came to the United States just trying to get away from the hurt and, and the pain. I hear stories like that, and I realize that yeah, immigration's a problem. And listen, 
I know there are no easy answers, but I know this too. There's a lot of illegal immigrants like those nephews who are also coming to our country and along with them drugs and gangs and crime. So I don't have the answers for these two very different kinds of immigrants. What I do know is this, that there are a lot of hurting human beings, abused, mistreated, hungry, desperate, and my heart breaks for them. We have a young lady in our church here in Embrace Church. She's from Burma, Myanmar. She and her three children had to flee their village. They ran for their lives as the military savagely destroyed everything in its path. And every Sunday I see those three precious children with their mama. And I watch as our people love and care and minister to them. And, and my heart is filled with joy. And you see, that's the way it is as, as we begin to have that pearl of great price, that divine wisdom that comes from God formed into our hearts and our lives. It's like oil and water, joy and sorrow mixed. It can't be explained. It can only be experienced in a personal way in each life and each heart as we seek God's wisdom. Sorrowful but not miserable, grieving, but at the same time drinking deeply of that living water that Jesus offers each one of us. That's available to you and to me. It's a pearl of great price. Sorrow mixed with joy. That's what God's wisdom brings to those who find it. I want to close today with several verses found in the book of wisdom, the book of Proverbs. This is chapter two. Just listen to these words of God. Make your ear attentive to wisdom and incline your heart to understanding. For the Lord gives wisdom and from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. And wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Blessed is the one who finds wisdom and who gets understanding. God's wisdom. It really is the pearl of great price, worth seeking with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. This has been Church on the Edge with Dan Armistead. Rethinking what church is and what church should be. If you like this episode, please leave a review at your preferred podcast provider. And you can find out more about this podcast as well as my articles, coming books, and more at danarmistead.com. And remember, it's all about Jesus and following him as his church on the edge. <laughs>